0: We start with Joel 2 verses 18 to 32, followed on straight away by Acts 2 verses 22 to 24. So we start with Joel chapter 2 verse 18. The Lord's answer. Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea, and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea. And its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness becoming green, the trees are bearing their fruit, the fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion, rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the autumn rains, because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust, the other locusts and the locust swarm my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed the day of the Lord. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Then Acts chapter 2 verse 22 to 24. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Jane. Good evening, everyone.
1: Just pop this down. Um, I want us to just take a moment to think. Um, whether I think about your past for a moment. Um, the past is quite an industry, really, isn't it? We have all sorts of things like and Ancestry.com and things like Who Do You Think You Are on the TV. It's, it's quite a big industry. Um, and, and I found when you start Googling um, thinking about the past, it's interesting what cro- crops up. Um, it, it's actually quite bleak, Google. It sort of pops up with how to how to deal um, with regret, or how to forget, or how to stop uh, pain and, and, and difficulty. Um, it seems a little bit as if our conscience inside of us keeps on uh, reminding us of stuff in the past. Uh, and no matter how long ago those things might have happened, um, uh, secrets and things that haunt us in the past keep being, we keep getting reminded of those. And perhaps you've had that experience of the past this evening. But then, of course, I suppose others of us are more, think about the future more often. And, um, you know, we're, we're dreaming about how things might be in the future. Um, and perhaps we're sort of thinking about how we can escape from this world and the difficulties around us. And um, and sometimes we're a little bit trapped by that, the thought of the future uh, and what it might hold. Will I get the right job? Will I be able to retire? Will I, what this, that and the other, what will happen? Will I have good health? So some for some people it's more about the future, isn't it? And for others it's, it's, we're thinking about, maybe you're thinking about the present, the here and now. Um, I think for me, personally, that's the one that I think about the most at the moment. The here and now, the present. So much to do, so much time, so little time, so many meetings, so many pressures, people to see, so many actions to action, kind of like spe- spinning the plates Fearful of what might come crashing down. So let me just begin with a question for each of us this morning, which is really simple. In which direction are you looking? Do you think about the past, the present, or the future? Which are you kind of preoccupied? Maybe it's a combination of, of all of them. Father God, we pray um, that you'll help us now, you'll meet us in your words by your We need you, uh, Father. We need your life-giving Spirit to revive us for the past, for the present and the future. Uh, please, would you be gracious to us now and help us as we think of those as we look at your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the amazing things about Christianity, which I love about Christianity, is that it speaks to all three directions at the same time. You know, there's nothing just simply nostalgic about the Christian faith as if it's kind of just looking to the past the whole time. There's nothing just about, you know, in the moment, in the present. It is about um, the future as well. And it brings all those dynamics together and that's what's so wonderful about it uh, and part of our refresh the vision at the moment is 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 to uh, think about revive um, reviving our relationship with God um, uh, not just for the present not just for the past but for the future that's what we we want isn't it we want to be revived by God um, that's my desire I hope it is is yours too and the Bible is just brilliant uh, with this and helps us in our relationship with God, so that we might that we can be cleansed from our conscience of the things that have happened in the past, that we can um be raise our, our, our sights beyond what is happening to us in the present, that we're not consumed by everything that happens to us now, and so that we can be inspired for the future. It is that is a wonderful thing, isn't it, about God's word. So let's keep the Bibles open at Joel um, chapter 2 as we think about this. If, please have them open in front of you. And the first one is, is that we see here a promise for the past. It's there in verse 18. Then the Lord was jealous for his land and he took pity on his people. So um just back up a moment, as as uh, Andrew introduced us um, to what the story is so far. So I won't go back into it too much, other than to say Joel has described a terrible event, this day of locusts. There's some uncertainty whether it was a real locust or whether it was symbolic about an army. But the point is that there's this day of disaster, and the whole land is stripped and and bare, and there uh, the, the, there is nothing. This this famine. And there's no no animals, so there's no worship. So everything is broken down here um, in chapter 1 and into chapter 2. And we discover in chapter 2, verse 25, um, that it was my great army that I sent among you. It comes as a bit of a surprise. It's God has sent this plague. Um, why? Well, because of the sin of the people. Um, and that's what's happened. And... Um, it was a terrible day, an awful day. And their one chance was to do, as it were, what prophet Joel calls them to do. And we didn't have that bit read, but it comes before in chapter 2, verse 12. Let me just read a bit of it. It says, even now, return to me with all your heart. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord God, for he is gracious and compassionate. Isn't that wonderful? Slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from spending calamity. Who knows he may turn and relent. And actually, that's what we find that they do. Um, they repent. They're burdened by the guilty conscience of the past, by the sin of the, the past, worried that God may have left them, may have abandoned them. And it comes the good news of verse 18. Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. Um, there's a sort of an anxious moment, isn't there, that comes sometimes to us when we think, have I blown it? Um, you know, all that stuff that's happened in the past, have I actually just blown it with God? And is he really going to forgive me and, uh, uh, and love me? Um, and that can be how we feel at times, we think of the word jealous here in usually very negative way, but jealous can be a really, actually a really positive uh, word if we understand it correctly. Um, we know, don't we, if we think about it in a relationship or a, a marriage. That a spousal love rightly can have, uh, there can be, a, a, a jealous love if somebody comes in and, and starts showing attention or affections to the one that you love and you've given your covenant love to and your promise to. That, that's a right jealous, jealousy, isn't it? Um, that's not an ugly thing at all. That's right and good. And, and that's what the picture here is of the Lord, how he feels to his people, a loving jealousy to us. And in order to revive his people, in order to to wake them up, he has to shake them as well. He has to shake them um, with this day of devastation that's been going on. Uh, And perhaps, as we think of that here, um, we're sometimes troubled by our our past, as I've said, and wondering whether God has abandoned us. Um, Well, you're not alone. I know I've had times like that when I've experienced feeling like actually are the things of the past just going to, you know, pronounce me guilty and God doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Well, we need to know here uh, from here, from God's word, and that that's not the case. Um, he comes to us. He has a, a fierce, jealous love for us. He wants to restore us. He wants to revive us. He wants to take pity on us because he loves us. And he will not let us go. It's a wonderful word of good news to us. And of course it shows itself supremely in the cross as we look forward to Jesus. Showing his jealous love for us through Jesus on the cross. To repair the relationship that's so broken between us because of sin. I found this phrase really helpful this week for me, and I hope you find it. Um, Another minister said, you see, God has put your sin behind him, and it's time for you to do the same. I just found that really helpful. You see, God has put your sin behind him because of Jesus' work on the cross, and therefore it's time that you do the same. Do you need to do that? We're to repent. We're to leave it behind. And by faith in Jesus Christ, he cleanses us, he revives us. So that's the promise of the past. But secondly, there's a promise here for the present. Yes, the people in Joel's day had sinned, but it wasn't just the past that was the problem. This day of the disaster just left them with nothing. There's great famine, and there was a great problem of starvation. And then we read... Um, how God is going to revive that, how he's going to turn that around in the present, their present circumstances. And so we read about how he provides food. For example, verse 19, there's grain, there's new wine, there's olive oil, there's lots of it. There's wonderful examples how God is going to do that, provide food. At, at, but he's also going to destroy the locusts. Uh, verse 20, I'll drive the, the northern horde far away from you. And he's, and he's also going to turn their hearts around from, from mourning into delight and gladness and rejoicing. Verse 21. Be glad and rejoice. Verse 23. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord. Verse 26. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God. In quite a contrast, isn't it? To, to, to last week where you just hear there's no good news at all. But here, this wonderful good news about what God is going to do in their circumstances and how he's going to revive them. Now, we need to be a bit careful here, don't we? Just to say, and I don't want to dampen down this delight and this, this wonderful outpouring, but it doesn't mean that it's a, it's a universal promise to all God's people that he's going to revive all our circumstances in the present. It's just... Um, That's not the case, is it? The Bible tells us that there will be struggles in the present. Um, And some of us might be consumed by those circumstances um, right now. I don't know whether you ever get that sort of panicky feeling that sometimes creeps up on you in the present situations when you see all that you have to do or all that you have to be and just the way that sometimes that can just... Uh, stop you from doing anything. There's a sort of inertia creeps in. You're trying to spin the plates. Um, I'm sure we would love it that the Lord would promise our present circumstances to be revived dramatically, as Joel says here. And we should pray for things to change. Uh, Absolutely, 100%. Do that. But let's not... um, Let's not think that it, it necessarily will be transformed all in one go. And let's notice what the Lord does give us. In verse 27, it says, then you will know that I am in Israel. I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God. So what's he promising here? In a way, is something even better in the present. Not just to, to change their circumstances, but but to be with them, I will be in the land. I am with you. And we just need to be reminded of that, that the Lord Jesus is with us today, now, by faith. Um, he's, Jesus said that, didn't he, in, at the end of Matthew 28. He said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. and know I'm not supposed to have favorite verses, but that is one of mine. You know, because um, loneliness is a is an awful thing. Um, I think that's one thing I would hate to to just be on my own. I'm terrible on my own. I'm usually very good for the first day when Hannah and the children are away. Oh, I think I can watch Netflix. I can do all this and that, and and I have pizza and chips. Day two is, and then day three, where are you, Hannah? <laughs> I just want her back. Because loneliness, after a while, is a hard thing, and we all need people around us. But we reminded here we never need to be alone because God is with us. Jesus promises that. That's a promise. Um, this week I came across, um, partly because of the whole um, uh, Jubilee celebrations, um, I came across King George the Sixth Christmas message Sure, you all know it. (laughs) Um, In 1939, uh, it just really was fantastic. It's old, but it's, it's, it's lovely what he, what he said at the, you know, the outbreak of war, present circumstances must have been awful facing Nazi Germany coming across Europe. And, um, he uses a poem by somebody called Minnie Haskins, uh, called The Gate of the Year. And it goes like this. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. So I went forth and finding the hand of God trod gladly into the night and he led me towards the hills and the breaking of day in the lone east. I just thought it was a lovely image putting your hand in the hand of God Um, in our present circumstances. A promise for the past, a, a promise for the present and of course a promise for the future. As we read through chapters 1 and 2 we hear about this phrase the day of the Lord you may have picked it up what's that all about well we need to realize that actually it's not about one day um uh it's about several days in fact there's the day of the locust there's a day of disaster here um that has happened in the past it's a vivid picture of a day um but there's also a day of the Lord in the future that's talked about here as well. Um, my people have sinned, and, and God has sent a day of disaster to bring repentance, to turn them around, but he wants to do this to prepare them for something in the future, something far greater, a greater day, an even more terrible day, a day of the Lord when he will do away with sin and evil forever. And you can kind of imagine, can't you, these people, the people of Israel, listening to this, desperately concerned about the future, having experienced what has happened. Um, they survived the sins of the past, but, and the circumstances are being changed in the present, but they're thinking, oh no, this sounds like there's something worse coming down the track, doesn't it? You can think, what's going on? You know, in comparison, the day of the locusts will appear like a walk in the park. So it is good news that we hear, isn't it, about what God has promised in the future. And it comes in two parts. Verse 28, the promise of the Spirit. And afterwards I'll pour out my Spirit, and all people, your sons and daughters, will prophesy... Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. It's just wonderful and remarkable in its scope, isn't it, what is being said here. God isn't just looking back, promising to cleanse uh, the sins of the past or sort out the present circumstances. He's promising uh, uh, something In the future, he's pointing forwards that one day he's going to change the very heart of the problem, which is our hearts, isn't it? He's going to send the Holy Spirit to revive us inside, from the inside out. The people in Joel's day didn't know that fulfills. Yes, they had sins forgiven. They had the land restored, the food again on their plate, But the outpouring of the Spirit didn't happen for many hundreds of years. In Joel's day, you see, the Spirit was sent on a few individuals here and there, prophets, kings, those sorts of people. It was sent for specific reasons. But one day here, it says it will be given to everyone of God's people. And just look at it, isn't it wonderful? Men and women, young and old, slave and free. But they had to wait. But we don't have to wait, do we? Because we have it now. And that's why we had Acts 2 read. As Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and preached, um, he says the Lord Jesus has been raised to life. He's ascended to heaven. And the very first thing that he does when when he gets there is to pour out and send out the Holy Spirit upon his church and his people in tongues of fire. Peter stood up effectively, and he says, "You know, remember what Joel said over those many hundred years ago? This is it. It is happening. This is what he talked about. And we live in these days. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful privilege. Joel's in, in his day, they didn't have that. This is the age of the spirit. He's poured out his spirit on all of us. All of us who believe in the Lord Jesus, he has poured out his spirit. He revives us in the past, he revives us in the present, and he revives us for the future. It means that all of us can know him, whether we're young, old, rich, poor, male or female. Wherever we come from, we can know the living God. In the Old Testament, prophecy and dreams were the way God reveals himself to prophets so that they could then give that word to the people. In the same way that God uses to reveal himself to his prophets of old, so he's going to reveal himself to every one of us, every one of his people. He pours out his spirit, not just to a few prophets and kings here, Well, all can have the Spirit if we're his people for trusting in Jesus. It is truly amazing, the scope of this. And, of course, that means we can speak of him as well, can't we? Now, the Holy Spirit does all sorts of things, and there's not time to talk about all of them now. Maybe we should do that at some point. But one thing it is, it means we can speak of the salvation that we have. That's what prophecy means. Um, your sons and daughters can all prophesy. You see, the point in the Old Testament, once God had revealed himself to you as a prophet, if you were a prophet and the Holy Spirit comes on you, uh, the thing that you were supposed to do is, is to speak of him, wasn't it? If you were a prophet. If you were a prophet and God has spoken to you, woe betide you if you kept that to yourself. I mean, you think of Jonah. I think Jonah's a classic example. You know, God had revealed Himself to Jonah. Jonah didn't want to do it and went a different way. And God sorted that out. In the age of the Spirit, God has revealed Himself to us, not just so that we might know Him. Of course, we should know Him, but that we may speak of Him. You don't need to be a prophet with a capital P anymore. In the sense of the Old Testament, all of us are prof- can prophesy because we know the Lord Jesus. And in verse 31 to 32, we find out why this really matters. Because it really matters because of the future. There's a day of the Lord. There's a day of the Lord coming. Receiving the Spirit matters because of what lies ahead. It revives us as well for the future. For that day of that is coming, when the Lord will return, and he will judge the earth and sin will be removed. And it will be a great and terrible day for some because it will be the day of judgment. Verse 31, the sun will be ter- turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, suddenly the gift of the Holy Spirit to us becomes really, really important, doesn't it? Because it's preparing us for the future. It really matters that we have the Spirit. Um, You either know the Lord Jesus, receive the Spirit, or you don't. You either have been revived by the Spirit, or you're not. You're either ready for the day of the Lord or you're not. And I suppose there's an implied question, isn't there, there for each of us? Have we received the Spirit? And if we haven't, ask the Lord that we may receive Him. Alongside that, of course, then comes the responsibility for those of us who who are following Jesus, who have the Spirit, to speak of him. We're not just revived for our own sake, to, to keep it to ourselves for our own satisfaction. Um, we're to prophesy of him. We're to speak of him and tell others to speak it out. And that's something that we'll be talking about uh, in um, June more of. Why? So that many will be saved. So they'll be ready for the day of the Lord. So as we close, I wonder which promise you need to hear this evening. Is it the promise of the past? Uh, God's jealous love for us, who revives us, who cleanses the conscience that cleans it to say that it's been done, it's finished. Or is it a promise for the present? A oh, God's presence. He is with us now. Do we need that to revive us in our current circumstances, in, in all that's going on around us? Or is it a promise of the future? That you are safe in the arms of God to face the day of the Lord, revived by the indwelling spirit. Past, present, future. Let's take a moment, shall we, to pray.
0: Um,
1: Father God, we, as we think about your word, we, we know we need you. <laughs> it seems very simple to say. We need you. We need you for the past, the present, and the future. We thank you for your word this evening. And we do pray that you would pour out your spirit on us, so you'd fill us afresh, so that we might know that you have dealt with the past, that you're with us in our present circumstances, And that we are safe to face the day of the Lord. And that we may have that responsibility to prophesy, to to speak of it with others. Father, pray for for wherever we are tonight. uh, Whether it's the past, the present, or the future, or a combination. Father, I pray that you will revive us and refresh us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.